0: Hi and welcome to the SIS Baseball Podcast for February. There's so much bad news going on in baseball right now, I wanted to celebrate something. It's Black History Month, so we're talking to two people who are shaping history for black men and women in baseball. Twins Manager of Player Development Research Josh Ruffin and White Sox Director of Minor League Operations Jasmine Dunstan. Enjoy. Josh Ruffin is the manager of player development research for the Twins. He's been with the team for three years, previously as an analyst helping on advanced scouting. Hey, Josh.
1: How's it going?
0: We're doing good here. Better than, I guess, the baseball scenario at the moment. Hopefully that'll change soon. So Josh worked (laughs) for our company for three months in the summer of 2014. The Twins just plucked two of our alums to work as apprentices within their R&D group for the coming season. So the BIS to Minnesota pipeline is strong. First, I wanted to ask you to just give us a general overview, both of your current role and your past job with the Twins.
1: For sure. So I'll go in reverse order. I think it's, uh, I I joined the Twins in 2019 and I started off as a uh, analyst for advanced scouting. So, you know, that's kind of the department or squad group of guys who are focused on basically gathering information for our upcoming opponents and kind of preparing reports that help prepare our coaches to, you know, basically plan ahead, understand what the, you know, next few games, next few weeks look like, and then really kind of helps to give them information, kind of build down their strategy on like, you know, the lineup decisions, bullpen usage, should we make a roster move? Those are what we're really kind of focusing on with those reports. But another part of it too, is sitting there and focusing on trends in the game and kind of making sure that we're understanding how the... The run environment and the game itself is changing and making sure that we're, you know, acting accordingly to uh to stay up with it. So, yeah, I did that for the last 3 seasons here and then I like to joke I uh, I got I got option now and I'm now the <laughs> manager of our research on the player development side. So, working with our minor league squads um and our farm director and a couple of our coordinators to kind of basically go in and try and help answer the simple question of how do you make minor leaguers major league You know, there's the obvious stuff of, you know, how do you get somebody to throw harder? How do you, you, you improve somebody's K rate. But there's a little bit other things too that I think work a little bit better on a, uh, on an org level where it's kind of like, you know, necessarily figuring out like identifying what skills we're good at training versus which ones we're not. Identifying what techniques that we can use in combination that seem to kind of benefit each other versus ones that kind of seem to be conflicting. So, it's been a bit of a change. It's been a good time change, obviously, with the, uh, the lockout happening. So I still have something to do. But it's, it's, it's been a fun part of kind of a transition, getting ready for spring training here.
0: You're a graduate of Duke University. Uh, give us the brief bio of what got you to this point to be working in the industry.
1: So I got a chance to, uh, to go to Duke University. I got a chance to sit on the bench on the baseball team for four years and basically just use as a time to kind of learn about the game. And watch some good players play, uh, like Strowman. Like Strowman, we had a couple other guys also get graduated as well, and in and, and the class before us was pretty strong too, actually. But yeah, I mean, it was one where I got to I got to school. I watched Strowman throw like two bullpens, and I was like, "All right, I'm probably not a major leaguer. How else can I get into baseball?" <laughs> right. But it was it was fun to kind of sit there and say, like, "All right, well, I had always known I wanted to kind of study statistics and statistical science, uh, which I ended up getting my degree in." But you know, it was nice because I knew I could always use that in multiple contexts, different in industries, um, but I also knew I could use it in baseball. So coming out of baseball, I had uh, the chance to, to, to go and be a summer intern with, uh, at the time it was BIS, uh, Sports of Solutions now, and it was great. It was just an awesome opportunity to kind of be around a bunch of like, like-minded like individuals is, is the way to go, a bunch of other guys where you were just like, your job was to sit there and watch baseball, but also talk baseball. Consistently throughout the day, so it was a really good environment for me. Um, I learned SQL. I was there, which was also really cool. I was able to pick that skill up, which is something I use today. But you know, I, I actually ended up working in various roles. I worked as a pay and personnel specialist, kind of in in looking at how the Navy pays out their soldiers and the pro- and the uh, system that they use to use it. I worked at the uh, Pentagon with the Army for the Office of Small Business Programs. Before I got into baseball, I was working with the USDA. Uh, we were working on fraud de- fraud detection in the food stamp industry or program. And I did an internship while I was actually up in Detroit. And that kind of, you know, that very path and journey that I went through actually ended up leading here to Minnesota. So it's uh, I think if you ask anybody in baseball, like everybody has a very different, weird, winding road on how they got here.
0: And just uh, where are you from?
1: Oh yeah, I'm uh, I'm from uh, Washington DC originally. I grew up on the Virginia side in Fairfax County. I moved around a lot as a kid. I was an army brat, but that's that's where I spent most of my schooling year, So I like to lay claim to it. So
0: give us a sense of what a day in life is like for you now.
1: For sure, it's 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 funny because I think you know I'll start with kind of the the, the bad just because you know just to remind people it's you know it's a job <laughs> you know there's there's going through and checking emails there's going through and sitting in some meetings and filling out HR requests. But, you know, at the end of the day, it really is this really cool environment where, you know, a day in the life for me is sitting there and kind of coming in and talking a lot with our, our, our you know, on-field experts, our baseball guys, the guys who are really working with the players, working with the coaching staff to kind of like coordinate and plan and build a strategy for a minor leaguers as they progress through the, the the system and try and graduate to the bigs. And really just kind of like, Talking shop with them, but also trying to find ways to necessarily fill the gaps for them. It's amazing how, like, these guys have a, a ton of knowledge and really kind of really understand the game, but a lot of times they don't necessarily have like hard numerical data to necessarily back it up. So it's really fun to kind of go in and talk with these guys and see what things we've assumed about baseball that are true or assumed is necessarily a given thing about baseball, but hasn't really been investigated yet. So it's a lot of like talking with them and then being able to kind of run off with my team or run off even on my own. Spend a couple hours just kind of diving into a question and fully fleshing it out, thinking it through and doing some research on it.
0: What's an example of a hard type of question that you might get asked?
1: I would say one thing that really stands out about kind of being good in this job, both in like the, uh, the advanced role and the PD side, player development, excuse me, is you'll get a lot of times you'll get questions on an intent, <laughs> A lot of times you get it where somebody will sit there and be like, Well, you know, like can we measure like, you know, how accurate they were in throwing, or could we measure like, you know, how hitting the target? Yeah, hitting the target. Or I love the ones where you get it as like, you know, back control, like how good is this guy at beating the shift? And it's like, you know, unless you're doing it visually, it's really, really tough to kind of sit there and be like, Oh yeah, he 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 hit that on purpose or necessarily got sawed off and it happened to beat the shift, right? So I would say a lot of the hard questions that you get aren't necessarily hard because they're too complex, but a lot of times you're doing a lot more of just kind of like biting down the question. It's a little too vague. And so what you got to do is trying to get into something specific that you can actually measure and work with so that you can go answer it versus trying to like infer a lot and make a lot of assumptions and then kind of come back with vague answers.
0: What's the level of receptiveness that you get from the coaching staff? This is something that there's certainly been a transition in baseball uh, regarding as coaches seem to have become more receptive.
1: That's very true. Coaches have become a lot more receptive. I think there's a good understanding across the industry that, you know, the information that we have is a helpful and b here to stay. So I don't think you're necessarily going to expect to run into anybody who's going to outright dismiss you, right? When you kind of come through with some information. That being said, you know, again, like baseball coaches are are and coordinators and staff, like they are their talent is baseball. And so sometimes they're they're humans. They're like us sometimes. It's very easy to kind of sit there and see the information that lines up with what you agree. And then you're like, oh, uh, I love data. Give me all the data. <laughs> I love it. And then all of a sudden you'll find something that kind of, you know, contradicts what you believe. And then all of a sudden you want to do is start poking holes in it and saying, well, the, you got to account for this and that. So, you know, there's still a a part of the role that is getting buy in. But it's not just because like the coaches don't belong, think that you belong there. Like they want you there. They want that. But part of the process to, is to kind of help them get on board and see what you see, especially when you have something that kind of goes against you know, die-in-the-wool die type thinking that these guys have been brought up upon. It's, it's a fun mix.
0: And one thing that helps, and I know we've talked about this before, you talked about it with our video scouts, the value of visuals, right?
1: Yes, that's, that is one of those things where you'll find out that you really have to get good at the language of, of, of translating, communicating these things in baseball terms. But you'll find that one of the ways to kind of get around that sometimes when it's not there is visuals. Like it's very easy and impactful to find ways to communicate something more straightforward. That's a little bit more complex. That's a little bit easier to do in terms of providing visuals, providing charts and graphs that can kind of like highlight what you're trying to get to. That are much easier because what you have, what you'll learn is you get so used to working with the data and visualizing stuff and thinking over it that it kind of makes sense to you. But you gotta understand that these guys don't have the same training. And so using visuals can kind of help fill that gap for them where it's like maybe they can't necessarily figure out what you're saying as you're explaining it verbally. But yeah, slapping slapping on a, a good slide deck and having some pretty colors up there can really, really <laughs> go a long way to uh, get a message across.
0: I analogize it to essentially you're swimming and they're trying and they're trying to learn it, they're trying to swim uphill. And that can become very challenging
1: very quickly. It's, it's very good. And if you just kind of keep telling them, swim harder, swim <laughs> harder, you'll get there. Like, you know, it's not necessarily helping. So h- handing out the kickboard or whatever of a visual is, is yep. the way to go. Nice.
0: So Lindsay Adler and Eno Saris had an article in The Athletic recently in which someone asked the question, uh, what stats matter to both the public? What stats that matter to the public also matter to teams? Like what's universally expected? I guess gettable, accessible between the two. If you were telling someone who was looking at minor league data who was not working for a team, what would you tell them about looking at it?
1: I, I, it's nice. I feel prepared a little bit. I actually kind of looked at that uh, that article actually, and they had <laughs> great answers on it. I'll try and try and expand on the pitching side. I think realistically, FIP is the is the one to kind of go with. I think everybody agrees that there's just a lot of randomness that comes into throwing a pitch and seeing what the batter does with it. So the idea of being able to throw it in the zone, miss bats and not give up hard contact as the things that pitchers can really kind of control definitely makes sense as as the kind of the go to stat to understand if somebody is throwing well or not in a minor league environment. And it kind of helps, too, with the the various different types of minor league environments and run environments that are down there. To kind of be able to use that to scale it off and understand, you know, who's doing well, who's maybe lagging behind a little bit. Same thing with, you know, the simple kind of going for it with K percentage and walk percentage. And then yeah, looking at those two together for the K, the K to walk ratio. So I think those are the kind of the easiest ones to kind of go through and see, knowing nothing else, knowing nothing about exit data or or pitch movement or anything like that. Like those are the easiest things to kind of point to and and anything else, you know, WOBA or BAD, you know, BABIP or whatever, you can, you can kind of get stuck down a, a bad road. But FIP is probably the best way to start in those K percentage and walk percentages. I would say on the hitting side, though, it's actually a little bit more engaging. You can kind of get down to a lower level. And so I think a lot of times things, you know, like K and walk percentages are good, but you can also look at necessarily like just the swinging strike rate. Uh, how often do they swing and miss? Um, how often are they swinging at balls in the zone? You know, these might be stats that are kind of behind a paywall, but they are publicly available and they're not necessarily anything that we're adding too much you know, spiciness to on the background to try and measure what those skills are. So a batter's ability to kind of just like make good swing decisions and not swing and miss when they do swing are kind of those core components to being somebody we think could be at least a decent hitter going
2: forward.
0: Cool. I want to touch on one other on-field thing. In the past, you've specialized in defensive positioning. I'm curious what you look at and what goes into it, and how do you adjust for something like the quality of the fielder in the field?
1: So <laughs> you sat there <laughs> and asked me before. Do you ever get hard questions? Yep. This is a hard question. <laughs> no, I, it's 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 really tough. I think you know there are different ways to try and capture the differences that you'll kind of see from season to season or league to league just or basically talent level to talent level but what I would say is you know you're really trying to do a little bit more of underestimating the fielder's abilities to try and make sure that you're putting them in quote-unquote safer places and not asking them to stretch themselves versus necessarily trying to perfectly measure what their abilities are, if that makes sense. If you have somebody who, you know, has great range and can cover ground and and do whatever, like you're not going to sit there and be like, all right, let me put this ball right at the edge of his range and force him to have to kind of, you know, run from one corner of the field to the other to get there. <laughs> you really kind of sit there and want to do your best to kind of make sure that you're making... As many balls as possible, easy for that player. So to to get to that, a lot of times, you know, it's honestly super difficult. And we might actually advise against trying to go and use somebody's, you know, what we would estimate as their personal range or their personal defensive ability. And we might actually just kind of use that for special cases where we know that somebody might be super above or super below to make that adjustment but for otherwise we actually kind of stick with using the 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 league average but that's mainly just because it's really tough to to incorporate those things and when you do you might find yourself in a position where you're asking too much of a player and hurting them in the process.
0: This is Black History Month, you're black. There are not a lot of black men or women working in baseball analytics departments. We talked to two last year who work in one in, in baseball ops Javier Duran with the Cardinals. We talked to Spencer Weisberg who works for the Seattle Mariners. How does this change? How do we get more black men and women working in baseball analytics?
1: For sure. I mean, obviously, it kind of roll, it rolls up to like the overall representation question in baseball, right? Like, we've seen that black people, I think at one point made up about a quarter of the league, which, you know, would overrepresent the American population. And now that's kind of dropped under 10%, which underrepresents. So, it's it's a bigger baseball question i think in terms of looking at specifically getting p- roles in the front office and kind of serving as a as an analyst you, you, and, and, and you realize that a lot of times like there are soft pressures from different sides to kind of fit you into a role that people kind of expect and what i mean by that is you'll see that if somebody expresses a desire you know on the outside it's very hard to know how a team operates. It's very hard to know how a team, how organizations organize their front office. And so a lot of times when you're applying for a job, you'll sit there and maybe say, let's apply for a baseball operations job, right? And that could be something where it is an analyst role, or it could be something where it's a little bit more of a ticket sales forecasting, kind of whatever, and it gets you away from baseball. And so what happens is, A lot of times somebody might sit there and say, hey, we see your application. We will offer you such role and kind of push you towards one channel versus the other. And a big part of that is just kind of like fighting the urge to kind of, I don't know, typecast, if you will, and kind of envision people in more roles than you would normally go with. But I think the other thing, too, that you'll see is that you don't, on the application side, don't let the fact that you don't look like all the people who are in those roles, deter you from taking a chance at those roles. And I mean that not just on the on the superficial side, but like on terms of your application, your background. You know, there's only so many people who go to elite schools, who play baseball at those elite schools, who can kind of come on and get hired, right? Especially as the industry is growing and more of these jobs are being created. So teams are being forced to have to look for more candidates from various backgrounds. So I think it's one where there's part of understanding that, you know, the road that people love to talk about with, you know, the Harvard grad, Yale grad who jumps up and is running a team by their time they're 30, no, that's not necessarily the only way to kind of get into baseball analytics. Like there's definitely other paths that you can take. And just kind of showing a propensity and making sure that you have examples of your work are really good ways to kind of help Uh, counteract the fact that maybe if you don't have the same background as other applicants, you can still show an ability to be a a quality hire for an organization.
0: What's the one skill that you would tell someone, black, white, or otherwise, that they need to have to be ready to work in a job like the one that you have?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I think I would say my go-to is communicating without jargon. What I'll say is like, a little peek behind the window here, you'll spend a lot of time looking up how to do something for various reasons. A, that's kind of the nature of data science. Like we're not all computers. You know, there's times where you've got to look something up. You might not have done it for a few years. Like stack overflow probably deserves about half of my salary to be honest. (laughs) So it's not that you need to necessarily know the most, right? Like that's obviously um, not something that we have there. But I think the real big key that you see that separates a lot of, applicants is they can go through and do the work but then when we start asking questions in the interview part they kind of just repeat what they've written in their project or write-up or whatever and they're not able to really elaborate it or break it down and get to like kind of the core core ideas that come out of the research you know again back to your question like if i go and i tell a coach like Hey, this was statistically significant. He's in the—he's three standard deviations away from the mean, or whatever. Like, this isn't me being mean. This isn't whatever. Like, there's a lot of coaches who don't know what a standard deviation is, so that's not helpful. What's being helpful is being able to sit there and be like, hey, look, if you're this far away from the mean, you're probably in like the top three something percent here, which means we can feel pretty confident that you're not like the rest of the group. This is a different whatever. And that's a simple thing that you can do to just sit there and kind of communicate the same information that we're used to doing succinctly with numbers. But we might actually have to make a little bit more flowery and make it a little bit more baseball to kind of get it across. And that's a skill that it sounds very simple. But when you look through enough applications and talk to people, it's it really does stand out who can who cannot do that.
0: I was talking to someone the other day, and I said to them that I think what it comes down to when you're trying to do information communication is the following words work really well. A lot, some, a little, none. (laughs) (laughs) Let's close on something fun. Working at SIS changed your life outside of baseball. You met your wife while working here. Tell us about that.
1: I did. I did. That was not the plan, let me tell you. I love me some Copley, Pennsylvania oh I'm blanking on it there was a golf course right by that I would just tackle every day it was like 12 dollar rounds in the afternoon it was perfect it was it was I just went out there but no it was actually really cool like so I, I actually had connections to the Lehigh Valley my mom went to Lehigh and so like I had gone up there looked at the school decided not to go there and then you know just naturally as a kid just never thought I would be back and then of course right after college where am I going? Like right down the street up there. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So I finished the internship. And I'm like, ah, guess, guess I'm never coming back. And of course, I'm like talking to my wife at the time, who's from there. And then of course, what do we do? We start dating, we get married. And then now it's every Thanksgiving and every Christmas, you better believe I am right back there in Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania, honestly, compared to Minnesota enjoying the warm weather. So (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I can't complain too much, but I love the place. I I, I remember just kind of crushing some a treat soda. That was a big thing around there that I loved at the time. I don't know if they still make Bacon strip. <laughs> right, right. But God, man, I love it. And if you get a chance, go to Music Fest. That is by far one of the most fun things that I didn't know about before I ever got up there. That when I went there, I was like, oh, this is awesome. So that's what I can give you on Lehigh Valley. It was a great spot.
0: Nice. Very nice. Come to the Lehigh Valley. Come to Sports Info Solutions. Change your life for the better. (laughs) Josh Ruffin, thank you for taking the time to join us. Best of luck.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I want to
0: pause between guests to talk about the Sabre Virtual Analytics Conference, which will take place on your computer or phone from March 17th through 20th. SIS is involved with this. It's a four-day event with guest speakers, panels, presentations, and the case competition there will also be networking opportunities. Major League Baseball is seeking qualified candidates from underrepresented backgrounds interested in careers in baseball operations to participate in the conference, with MLB covering the conference costs. Undergrads, grads, and recent grads are eligible to apply. To apply, click the link in the show notes. Applications are due February 28th. And if you're interested in working at SIS like Josh... You can check out the link in the show notes for that as well. Jasmine Dunstan is the director of minor league operations for the Chicago White Sox. She began in that role last December after working as a specialist in player development with the Reds last season. She's a grad of Tennessee State, where she played softball with a master's in athletic administration from Valparaiso and a law degree from John F. Kennedy University in California. Jasmine, thank you for joining us.
2: Thank you so much for having me. How are you guys?
0: We're great. Jasmine is the daughter of Sean Dunstan, former shortstop and number one overall pick who was widely known for having the strongest infield arm in baseball in the 80s and 90s. That makes this a very appropriate first question since you played softball. Our icebreaker, can you tell us about the best defensive play that you can ever remember making or a favorite play?
2: Probably my favorite playmaking was probably in college when we played, it was before the season. It was preseason. We went to a tournament in Atlanta and we were playing North Carolina A&T. And I remember it was the sixth inning and our pitcher was in a, jam. And I was playing deep left field. And basically I ran in and I just got a sliding catch right behind the shortstop. And I mean, it was favorite for me because it the crowd just went wild and it got us out of the inning. So that felt pretty good. That's part of my favorite memory.
0: <laughs> We've had gold glove winners on this show, Fielding Bible Award winners as well. How do you stack up? What's your what's your cred as far as the uh, defense goes?
2: Hey, my dad said I was pretty good. When I was in high school, I played shortstop. But then um, when I started playing travel ball in high school, I moved to third. And then I played freshman and sophomore year, third base. And then when I went was... Uh, junior and senior, I moved to left field, but my dad didn't say I didn't have a cannon, but he said it was pretty close.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Cool. All right. So we've talked to team employees on this podcast pretty often. You're the first one who holds the title of director of operations, minor league director of operations. And based on my reading in the last couple of days, I don't think most people know what someone in that role does. So what does someone in that role do?
2: Sure. So I am the director of minor league operations. I report right to our assistant general manager, which is Chris Getz, and he's also our farm director. So basically, I'm the second point of contact when it comes to all player development and minor league operations. So that's just really heavy support with him, whether just transactions, player moves, tendering their contracts, communicating with our affiliates, um, what is our on-field agendas, you know, what are our initiatives that we want to implement this year or the next year. So I'm elated to have the position because it entails a lot. It's a lot of moving parts, but we, we can handle it.
0: Certainly. Now give us a sense of what a day in life is like. Like what did you do today?
2: Today, putting out a lot of fires today. We're trying to uh, get ready for spring training. We're going to start our first mini camp. So right now, just answering a lot of questions logistically, just making sure everyone needs to be where they're at, just making sure we're just ready to go in in a couple weeks here.
0: You have a few few things that shape your view here. You're a former college athlete. You have the athletic administration background, your master's. You're a lawyer. And from poking on the the web a little bit, I see that you're uh, a bit of an entrepreneur too.
2: What do you bring to the role? Just the things that I bring to the table. I think just being able to juggle a lot, I think they call me a jack of all trades, right? I think I know a little bit about everything. So if I don't know, I definitely can point you in the right direction and definitely get you started. I communicate very well. I listen very well. It's a lot of problem solving. It's a lot of conflict resolution. It's just a really about developing the players and the staff, just making sure we're doing what we need to do. So I think I'd bring a lot to the tables, probably not the same as you know other individuals or males in this role. But I think different is good.
0: So I'm a minor league player and I'm supposed to report to double A this year, let's say, just as, a, as an example. And I I go through you. What am I what am I going through you for?
2: Basically just, you know, we're just gonna first just talk to you and just say, you know, congratulations. And this is what we're thinking about and just what we're kind of expecting from you. And, you know, we will get you acclimated, move properly, you know, your contract situated, and then just make sure you're just getting with your managers and coaches and just making sure everyone's on the same page so we can just deliver the right expectations, so we can get you to the next level. Everything is about development.
0: At Sports Info Solutions, what we do here, and I think one reason the number of our people will be interested in listening to you is we have video scouts who then go on to roles as video coordinators with teams and take on roles in that regard. Do you have dealings with them as well?
2: Uh, We do. I mean, in the front office, we have to deal with so many people in all of our department, right? Whether it's strength and conditioning, whether it's video, whether it's all of our coordinators, whether it's scouting, international scouting, pro scouting, amateur scouting. So we're not on our own different islands. It's every day we have to work together together to be on the same page so whether it's video scouting hey if we want to get more video on this guy I will let them know so I can get the proper coordinator out there to work on this guy whether it's his glove side or whatever he needs to work on so I believe it's it's a collective we're all working here in player development
0: what exactly do you want to do with your baseball career
2: you know, we'll see, you know, it's still getting started. It's still warming up here. I think my first year for this role is just to make sure I do a good job just making sure I just allow Miss Grace to be able to retire, you know, easily to know that she's passing the baton on to me and just kind of creating everything she's created, just making sure everything, you know, holds up. So I think that's the goal this year for me. Also, the goal for me this year is just to kind of familiar with myself, with all of the players, with all of the staff to see where we're at within our farm system. Um, I know some have said we are depleted. So just kind of seeing what we need to replenish and just seeing what we can do to help each other help the big leagues as well at the big league level. So I think let's start at the, for this year and then we'll just see where it co- goes the years to come.
0: You mentioned Miss Grace. For those that aren't familiar, can you acquaint us with uh, Grace Guerrero's with
2: She was with the Chicago White Sox for 40 years. So she is retiring. So she is the senior director of minor league operations. She was actually here when Tony La Russa was the manager of the first round. And also she was here when Kenny Sr. was also a player. So she's been around for a long time. She's seen the ins and the outs of everything. And she holds a lot of cards within player development. So it's just nice to really gain that wisdom from her as she goes into retirement.
0: Certainly a great mentor. Are you someone who has always wanted to go into baseball?
2: Uh, Absolutely. I think I always knew I wanted to go into baseball. I just didn't know what avenue or how I would get there. I didn't have the confidence. I thought it would be a little bit easier for me at first to maybe go into on the player side instead of the organization side. So I kind of danced with the idea of being an agent, but I just kind of realized it wasn't my thing. I felt more of, you know, like a salesperson. So and I'm a little shy, a little reserved at times. So I knew that probably wasn't my thing, but I always did know I needed to be and wanted to be some type of way into Major League Baseball. It, it was It's, it's a life-grown thing, for sure, within our family. But as I've uh, grown up, I've learned to love it for myself as well.
0: I want to talk about your dad. But before we do that, I want to go in reverse order here. You come from a baseball family. Your parents have also been together for a long time. I'm curious because inevitably I'm going to ask you about your dad and how he influenced you. How has your mom, Tracy, influenced you in your baseball career?
2: My mom's been great. Like she's always been there for us. I know it's always my dad or whether it's my, bro- my brother or me, But she's definitely been the backbone of our family. She's definitely the of our, pillar of our family. You know, I think sometimes people paint my dad as the fire. And I would probably say my mom is the ice. You know, she's definitely level headed. She's very encouraging. She always encouraged her children to be anything you want to be. Go for it, you know. Make sure they tell you no before you think they'll say no. So she's always been encouraging. She's always in our ear. She's always right by our side. Sorry. Is
0: there a trait from her that uh, you hope has kind of been passed, passed on to you that you hope you'll be able to carry through in this job?
2: Sure. Probably my best quotes are probably characteristics I probably would love to take from my mom is just being a prayer warrior. My mom, just she prays and there's just power in prayer. So I would definitely love to keep that trait take that trait from her.
0: I, I know certainly that religion is an important part of your family. And I do want to talk about your dad just for a second. What role has he had in influencing you along your baseball path?
2: My dad is probably the fireside, right? Just like, just doesn't take any mess, right? So he's just always been our pusher. He's always about, you have to be two times better. Whatever you want to do, don't have it. You have to go all in and being the day-to-day out, being disciplined, being accountable. So I think just the extra drive is what I take from him.
0: Is there a jasmine-ometer, like there was a Shona meter in Chicago?
2: You know what? Actually, I did receive one from Dave last week and it was pretty cool. He gave me a desktop version of it. And instead of the numbers, it was my name in the middle. And then it kept saying, feed the meter at the bottom with the white socks. So that was pretty impressive.
0: All right. So let's explain what that is. If you, if you want to just explain what the Shona meter was.
2: Sure. So down in Wrigley Field, where my dad was playing for the uh, Chicago Cubs there was a guy whose name is David, and he was a big fan of the Chicago Cubs. And my my dad would be kind of stricky in his batting average. So basically, they just got a sign and they put it in the outfield and they would just always tell him to feed the meter. So every time, (laughs) you know, he would get a hit, you know, they would just clock his batting average in the outfield. So it was pretty cool.
0: Sean Dunstan had an awesome major league career. He was a number one draft pick, played 18 seasons, played in the playoffs for a team from his uh, hometown, New York City. He had a go-ahead home run in the World Series in his last major league game. Your brother was the bat boy that day. was there to greet him at home plate. Three World Series rings as a Giants coach. Do you have a favorite father-daughter baseball memory with him?
2: Probably my favorite one is probably the picture that everyone has seen in the article of me and my dad holding the trophy up together when they beat Kansas City. And I was able to go with him and then I flew back home with him and no one else was there. I think everyone else was uh, tired going back and forth to San Francisco and Kansas City. And so I was the last leg, you know, with my dad there out of uh, with our family. And I think it was just a special moment just me and him. And it was just, you know, seeing the hard work, the team paid off and, you know, they were all nervous and, you know, just really just trying to just really compete at the highest level. So it was just really spectacular just to see that, that, you know, it was just laying it all out on the cards. And it was truly when they won, I just said, this was, this is what it's all about. So that's probably my My favorite memory with him.
0: His baseball career began with the Cubs. Your baseball career major leagues began with the Reds. Uh, What did you do with them before you came to Chicago?
2: Sure. So I was prior to coming to the Chicago White Sox, I was with the Cincinnati Reds and also in player development. My title was a player development specialist. I know sometimes that's not translated well, but it's more on the lines of a coordinator. So I worked directly under Sean Pender. Uh, he's the vice president of player development. And last year we didn't have a farm director. So basically it was just kind of picking up the marbles where they needed to be and just kind of doing everything he really needed me to be so everything could work smoothly along with our field coordinator.
0: The White Sox uh, President Ken Williams uh, has been outspoken about baseball's hiring of Black men and women, and quite frankly, it being pretty awful overall. This is Black History Month. In terms of Black women in baseball operations, it's almost non-existent other than you. What have your observations been in this area and what can someone a listener myself do to try and be helpful?
2: I think that's right. I think in I think in major league baseball, I think the African American female Presence is a little slender. I think I am probably the only one in this role. So it is an honor. I am definitely humble for it. But I just say today is a new day. If anybody's just watching or if anybody wants a career in this, I think whether it's gender, age, experience, race, I just say Whatever you have a goal, just go for it and don't let anyone tell you no. I think Kenny Williams, he's been phenomenal about pushing that, you know, agenda of just saying, hey, let's get some more diversity in here, whether it's African-American, whether it's female. I think we're learning today that a lot of females are coming into the space of Major League Baseball. I think sometimes they say we can't find candidates or women don't like baseball or they're not interested. But I think today we're seeing that's not true. And I think, you know, if our directors, our managers, and people in the front office can just have an open heart about that, just about the mind and the thinking that we can just bring to the table, I think we can be great assets to them. So I think it's needed and I think it's coming.
0: Yourself, Alyssa Nacken. Rachel Balkovic, who we actually talked to a year ago, certainly trailblazers in that regard were very appreciative of that. From a practical perspective, you just went through kind of a mentality that you need to get a position like the one, uh, like one that you would have in baseball. From a practical perspective, if there's a young woman that's listening or a father listening with a daughter, what are some things that they can do to kind of steer them on the right path?
2: I would definitely say... From a practical level, kind of know who you are. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Because I think in this game, if you don't know, they try to tell you um, and they try to limit you and box you in. But I think it's important for you to know who you are and stay true to yourself so you can have a voice and tell them what you're thinking. And in order to do that, I would say if you want a career in Major League Baseball, do some research, you know, whether you can shadow, whether you can network, not networking just to get to know people, but genuinely getting to know them. What do they do, their family background, their career background, and see what departments they're a part of so you can understand what department you want to be in, whether it's video, whether it's scouting whether it's the front office, whether it's field staff, whether um, it's baseball operations, because I think there's so many different parts within an organization I think people lose sight to. We do all come together at some point, but we do also have our own specialties at that. So I think before coming in an organization, probably listen and learn and figure out what you would like or what you don't like. So then you can navigate yourself and not get stuck in a certain situation so you can blossom. So those are the practical things I would say.
0: Point being, there are certainly plenty of opportunities, hopefully plenty more to come for women, Black women, uh, Black men and women in baseball. Jasmine Dunstan, Director of Minor League Operations for the White Sox. Thank you for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: This wraps up this month's episode. Thanks to Josh Ruffin and Jasmine Dunstan for joining us. Enjoyed the conversation with both of them. And thanks to our producer, Justin Stein. I'm Mark Simon. Thank you for listening to the SIS Baseball Podcast.
1: Thank you for tuning in to the SIS Baseball Podcast. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. If you have any questions, email the show at mark at sportsinfosolutions.com or tweet us at sportsinfo underscore SIS.